0: Are you open to challenging what you thought you knew about money, success, and financial freedom? What if we told you that the traditional advice to go to school, get a job, and save for retirement may not be the best path to financial success? In the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki shares the lessons he learned from two father figures in his life. His biological father, Poor Dad, was a highly educated man with a secure job, but struggled financially. In contrast, his best, me- and his best friend's father, <laughs> Rich Dad, was a successful entrepreneur and investor who taught him valuable financial lessons. When those two figures are compared to one another, they represent different mindsets and approaches to money and wealth building. Let's find out more.
1: So before we dive into the book, let's do something slightly different and go through a brief introduction. Rich Dad Poor Dad is a best-selling personal finance book written by Robert Kiyosaki and published in 1997. It's so well known at this point that if you don't know it, I'm more surprised. (laughs) This book has sold millions of copies worldwide and has translated into dozens of languages. So not speaking English isn't a good enough excuse. Also, if you don't how are you listening to our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> they like our faces. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like noise, noise and image. <laughs> it is often a, considered a foundational work in the realm of personal finance and wealth building. Robert Kiyosaki is an American entrepreneur, investor and author. Born in 1947 in Hilo, Hawaii, He attended the United States Merchant Marine Academy and later served in the Marine Corps as a helicopter gunship pilot during the Vietnam War. After this military service, he ventured into various businesses, including a company that produced nylon and Velcro wallets. He eventually found success in real estate investing, which laid the foundation for his financial philosophy, which we're about to go through. Over the year, the book generated both praises and it must be noted some controversies. Regardless, either ways, the book provides some solid financial advice and tests your uh, foundational beliefs in what you thought you should be doing when it comes to wealth building. I would
0: definitely say it's controversial. And uh, the other bit of advice I would give, it's very. US centric Mm -hmm. and the reason I say that is because there is some practices talked in the book uh, which clearly just applied for the US tax system however overall the concepts are hugely applicable and very very helpful to to everyone so I guess let's uh, dive into it so on the first topic financial education is crucial for success Kiyosaki emphasizes the importance of financial education in building wealth, so he's always arguing that traditional education doesn't actually teach people how to manage money and create passive income. Now, everyone can probably think back to our days in school, and I probably challenge anyone to think about any lessons or any modules or any classes we've ever done, which has taught us how to get a mortgage or taught us. How to deal with credit cards or how to deal with debt. And if you think about this, this fact that I just mentioned, it kind it of is really true. The traditional education system doesn't teach us how to deal with real life. And we've been taught the classic way all along go to school, learn, get a job, pay the bills, eventually die, as, as I always say. And one of the strongest points from uh, this takeaway is the difference between assets and liability and understanding this. And that's the fundamentals of, uh, of understanding uh, financial education. And more importantly, is the difference in the approaches that rich that and poor that have towards assets and liabilities.
1: So I guess the first question here is, what are assets and liabilities before I get into that, though, it kind of reminds me from when you said i um, going to university and do we ever get taught about mortgages and credit card debts? No, I don't remember any class where they taught me that. All I remember is that I had to pick those up to go to class. <laughs> They're like, you have to get a loan so you can go to school. You have to go and rent to live near there. But then also, we're not going to teach you what that means and how that is. And also, you wouldn't even really be accepted. And once you leave to get loans, unless you make a certain amount, so it's kind of kind of wild. Because I was making near nothing at that time.
0: But it's it's interesting because they give you the biggest one of the biggest loans of your life to go to university, mm-hmm. and then you're not allowed to get any other loans until you earn a certain amount.
1: <laughs> it, <laughs> it's a trial by fire, <laughs> yeah. Is exactly trial by fire. But no, jumping into it. So you might be asking, what are assets and liabilities? And the fact that you're asking that says another thing too. When you think about it, since We, I I, would say myself and Valerio, though we had to self learn it beforehand, this is what they teach in EMBAs and MBAs. (laughs) Or if you do specific courses on accounting and stuff, that's where it comes in. But in engineering, there ain't nothing (laughs) where they're like, hey, by the way, just in case you're wondering. So, assets are items that generate income or have the potential to appreciate in value. So, some examples would include rental properties, bonds, stocks, and businesses. Assets contribute positively to your financial situation by providing cash flow or increasing in value over time. Let's just say we'll call assets Mark J. Then we move into liabilities. These are items that cost money to maintain or that decrease in value over time. Examples include loans, mortgages, valerio, car payments, and credit card debt. Liabilities negatively impact your financial situation by draining your resources and increasing your expenses the expenses here are the costs one is required to spend on obtaining something. I think that kind of sums it up. <laughs> the Mark J Valerio, I think it makes total sense. If you, if you struggle to remember them, just remember Mark J appreciate Valerio Depreciators. <laughs>
0: Now, I'm laughing because um, the audience does know that this is probably the fifth time that we record this episode because we keep encountering technical difficulties as a, as we record it. And uh, on the first four times, I've managed to sneak in very quickly and mm-hmm. uh, make a comment about Mark being a liability. So now he's actually changed his script very quickly so that he could come back to me and uh, Finally, get it in there so that he could diss me and I couldn't do it.
1: Anyway. Well, you can't do anything about it besides go. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You are done. Well played. Well played.
0: (laughs) But let's get back to the point here. So Rich Dad's approach is that he emphasized the importance of acquiring assets and minimizing liabilities as much as possible. And that is the formula in order to build wealth. He believed that focusing on the income and gener- generating assets, it w- it's what creates what's known as passive income, and it allows individuals to then achieve the financial independence. And by continuously investing in assets and using it to generate income, you can then acquire more and more assets, and rich. That created this uh, a cycle of wealth building, essentially. And he also stressed the importance of minimizing the liability to reduce expenses and maintain a positive cash flow. So in some way, where I've actually seen this uh, explained really well is you want to build the assets as much as possible. And with a passive income, that's when you want to buy the liability. So don't buy the car and then buy the uh, house, but do the other way around. Buy the house, rent it out, and then use the... Uh, the income that has been generated by the car, says the guy that just purchased a new car. So don't listen to me for while, clearly. However,
1: that's the generic idea around it. That moves us directly onto that poor dad's approach, <laughs> who on the <laughs> other hand is focused on working hard to earn a steady income from a job and saving for retirement. This approach didn't prioritize acquiring assets or generating passive income. Instead, he relies on his job and pension to cover his expenses. Consequently, he will accumulate liabilities like loans, credit card debts. This fits in perfectly with me saying Valerio with his car. (laughs) This approach leads to financial struggles and lack of financial freedom. It's also the approach that, if you think about it, we're all directed in the route to take. If you get a good enough job, they make sure that you have a pension so you have something at the end because you are going through this approach. The contrast and approaches of Rich Dad and Poor Dad highlight the significance of understanding assets and liabilities in personal finance. And the point highlighted by the author is that through focusing on acquiring assets and minimizing liabilities, individuals can create passive income streams, achieve financial independence, and ultimately build wealth.
0: At this point here, I should probably uh, start one of those little like, GoFundMe page saying instead of like GoFundMe or Go... Buy me a coffee, I can say, go fund my new car, please.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's passive income if you manage to get that. (laughs) True.
0: Uh, Anyway, let's move on to the second topic. The second topic is uh, known as the cash flow quadrant. And in the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki introduces the cash flow quadrant, which is a concept that categorizes the different type of people or their type of job based on how they earn the income. So you can think of the cash flow quadrant as a two by two matrix. And on the top left hand corner, you've got an employee. On the bottom left, you've got a self-employed on the top right corner, you've got a business owner. And lastly, on the bottom right quadrant, you've got an investor. And what we're going to go through now is just an explanation of what each of those quadrants means, essentially.
1: So if we start with the left side, and the way I like to remember this quadrant is you want to leave left and right is right. <laughs> but if you start with left, at the top, we have the employees to so take that E. There's people in this quadrant earn income by working for someone else. They trade their time and skills for a salary or, or an hourly wage. Um, the author argues that relying solely on earned income from a job can limit one's ability to build wealth and achieve financial freedom. Back to the controversial points in this book, you'll notice that when I said you want to leave left and right is right, we will most likely all (laughs) find similarities in what is on the left-hand side of this quadrant. So employee, that just takes how much of the population and then we go down the peg uh, below this where we get to self-employed, that S space in the quadrant. And individuals in this quadrant work for themselves and earn income directly from their clients or customers. They might be professionals, freelancers, or small business owners. While they have more control over their work, Their income is still tied to their time and effort, making it difficult to generate passive income, which is still kind of funny to me because I'm currently reading multiple books on consulting and this takes in like freelancers, contractors, all of these things, which is fun and like great pursuits. But again, (laughs) it still falls into the left side of the quadrant where it's active time for active uh, uh, income versus passive time for passive income.
0: Yeah, that's right. And, and as long as you, as long as you trade in your time for money or a salary, that's when you fall in those two left quadrant. And if we move on to the right side of the cash flow, that's when we have a business owner and investors. So looking at the business owner as a starting point, those are the people in the, in the quadrant that own a business that generates income without being directly involved. That means that they've got systems in place, they've got a team in place that runs the business and allows them to focus on a strategy and growth. Now, business owners can create passive income streams and leverage the efforts of others to build wealth. So in a way, they essentially make use of the team they've got around them in order to build the wealth for them. Now, having said that, most business owners that uh, that you might know, they tend to be really, really busy. So whether that trade-off, between employee self employee and uh, an owner is as uh, clear as is described in the book that's that's questionable because you know most entrepreneurs will tend to have a very very busy life however the returns that you can get are much higher and i think that's the point here now on the bottom right uh, side of uh, that quadrant we've got investors and those are individual individuals in this quadrant they tend to earn income by investing in assets such as stock bonds real estate or businesses as mark mentioned earlier on in the uh, in the introduction and they use their money to generate more money create essentially passive income streams and growth and wealth over time in another way of looking at it is that you can uh you can invest in stocks that then give you dividends, you can take those dividends and reinvest them into more stock. And you're essentially what's known as this uh, cycle of uh, generating wealth uh, over and over again. Or quite similarly, you can invest in a property, you can rent it out, and you can generate passive income from that. That, That's essentially what it means in a nutshell.
1: It kind of to me is like, you can either get your money and sit on it, or you can make your money, get to work, (laughs) and then it makes you more money. And that's the the strategy here, except it's not Money that needs input is just move it from here to here and let it build itself. That Make money strength. work for you. I like yeah, that. exactly. Uh, but Kiyosaki emphasizes the importance of moving from the left side of the quadrant, like I mentioned, which is the employed and self-employed side to the right side, which is where you get to be in a business owner and an investor to achieve financial success. So by becoming a business owner or an investor, individuals can leverage systems, teams, and their money to create passive income ultimately gaining financial freedom and building wealth. The author's message is that focusing solely on being an employee or self employed may not be the most effective path to financial success. Instead, he encourages readers to explore entrepreneurship and investment opportunities to generate passive income and grow their wealth over time, which is a great statement. And it's hilarious that this book has been out since 1997. And so it's aware that not everyone wants that. (laughs) There's a lot of, time effort uh just lost time i'd say um which is used to build up this uh foundation of financial freedom or financial success and again success to everyone is an individual thing it's not like a generalized thing you can all agree that person is successful but others are successful in their own right so it is a teasing issue but it's when it does come to the ones who do do it the ones we look at and say wow how did they do this you'll tend to see that they are on the right side of this quadrant you can be successful in the workplace or you could own the workplace <laughs> i guess <laughs> and have that difference
0: and, and i think there's there's also an element of uh uh a- sometimes we pigeonhole ourselves into, into what we've been uh, taught uh, when we were younger. And I, I guess I'm going to connect this all to our last episode around the different types of intelligences. Mm. And if we don't see ourselves as book, as book smarts, perhaps we're not going to start to look into alternative ways in which you can make a revenue stream, because you might start classifying yourself as inadequate to follow that, uh, that path. But actually no one is is taught this at uh, at an educational level. And there has been plenty of people that uh, now have uh, come around on social media a lot more prominently that have taken those paths without having the former educational knowledge. So it is a possibility. And I guess what the author does really well here is uh, to provide that uh, fundamental knowledge and introduction around the topic so that you can take away some of the concepts and maybe do a little bit more research and perhaps find out that uh, uh, there is one or two steps that you can take to uh, place yourself onto that road.
1: And it kind of ties in with the name rich dad poor dad whichever parent but it's like like we say there's no formal educational piece where we get to learn this whereas when you get a parent and in his case he had the rich dad which is his friend's dad versus his biological dad Um, and that's the comparison that people get to take away you get to witness other people's lives and say wait that's the options (laughs) this is how it works Mm. and that's usually where it works from or where we get to see it you might have friends who are doing things that you consider makes them successful or financially successful or you have family members in that like in this case but it is usually where we Get the street knowledge and taking it back into the episode about nine types of intelligences and seeing, oh, actually <laughs> utilizing these, leveraging that to maximize your um, returns and get a better ROI and utilize it to get you into the passive income earning Lifestyle where you can then get that financial success.
0: What's your favorite uh, passive income out of uh,
1: the uh, options that have been discussed today? Favorite is an interesting. The one that I'm most used to is the real estate. (laughs) Like it's just, like it makes sense to me. And it and yes, the house pricing can drop, but yeah, tenancy seems to be a thing that's not going to (laughs) disappear. People always need to be housed. People always need to be homed. And so that, that to me, that's the, I guess the most um uh i guess what's the word easy familiar (laughs) familiar that's even better familiar for sure uh because i can learn more in all the others and one of them it just says literally the word businesses businesses (laughs) which is like being a business owner one of the investors thing is to um, and that reminds me of them like dragon's den shark tank where you become an investor in those and so i guess it Kind of pulls me back to like Kickstarters and like ways to get in there. And was it Monzo Curve, these card companies in the UK, all the rounds where they got financial investments from people where you can invest in their company and hopefully get more shares. So I think that might be my favorite where you like put money into shares and see how they blossom and bloom. And get a good ROI there. what about yourself? Um, so I
0: so I, I'm also quite familiar with the uh, with the property one because uh, it seems like quite straightforward. I, I think the downside with with all of these uh, investment types is that at some point during the year, something will have changed, whether that's legislation, accessibility, uh, taxes, and mm-hmm. um, they will become trickier. Or easier to get into. So for example, at the moment, um, I, I still do, uh, shares investing and I find that quite interesting because I get to invest into, I guess, stocks or companies, which I do believe will have a long-term future. And that's why I buy sh- the shares. Uh, so that, that's, that's essentially what I do. Um, but then you look at uh, the property business, and then you look at the at the house values, for example, going down. That that's you know a negative factor. Then you look at the amount of uh, capital gain tax that uh, that you have to pay, or the allowance that has gone down, and you look at like the additional environmental requirements that are put into place. So you can see that there is factors that will come in and um, and almost play as a barrier. And I and I guess more than. Um, being familiar or being accustomed with a uh, what's the best way to invest is understanding how can you, how can you get around uh, some of the latest barriers and make mm. yourself uh, a little niche. And um, I guess to answer your question, I still find uh, property investment quite interesting. Obviously. It's a little a little harder to invest frequently in them because of the amount of cash that is required. Um, but um, together with that, I also do quite like investing on the on the stock market.
1: I think when it comes to people, there is a want to do this. Because uh, even though the book makes it seem like, okay, you're in these four quadrants, when crypto came and then people had the opportunity, I guess it's the quickness with crypto that made it so enticing, but it's still that was the most common thing I saw. Like I'd be in different countries, driving to different places with different employees, but they were all on their apps, making sure they checked if they managed to get, uh, you know, any gains or something in that day in the last 24 hours or whatever. And I was wondering, like, I never really saw this besides specific people when it came to gold and, you know, the, the ones that were outside of that. Um, But with the long-term investments is what I mean. But with the quick ones with crypto and that, there was a keenness and a eagerness for people to turn into investors, to people to turn in, get into that quadrant, and see if they can get a return and and capitalize on that. I say it past tense, like there isn't still people doing it, but I do know that crypto's had a nice couple of hits, <laughs> and I don't mean songs in the last year or so. <laughs> uh, so. I, I, th- I think um, everyone rushed into crypto just
0: because it was so easy to access, and that was actually one of the problems. So mm. easy to access that no one really had a clue about what they were buying. Yeah, And I guess what I found really interesting because I, I was quite into crypto, but because I was into crypto, I understood the different markets. So, you know, you could buy the cryptocurrency, wait for it to go up, but you could also trade it. And uh, what I found was like a little lovely niche uh, at the time where I was trading across different platforms. So I would buy the crypto on the one platform and sell it transfer it onto different platform and sell it there because there was a price difference between the two so mm. it's known as arbitrage but that's what i was doing essentially and i guess when you become more familiar with uh with the topics or with the investment option then you don't just look at it as a this scary topic that you need to tackle as a whole you actually start seeing that there is different sections of it and uh some of them don't look so scary. Some of them are less risky. And uh, that's the same thing across properties, across shares, stock, bonds, etc. And education, I think, um, as this book um, pushes on, is key. Uh, the more you get to educate yourself, the more you get to understand
1: and see the opportunities. And one more thing to add is that I was thinking when you said that, because I know I learned about um, crypto even in the MBA. And I've I said earlier, and I'm like, this is where you get taught it. No, it's not. You have to literally choose specific topics <laughs> that will then teach you this. If you do not choose that, if it's an option, you opt out of learning about how to uh, like get yourself more financial freedom because you've chosen not to do a finance or accounting or, you know, <laughs> or law or something. You've now missed out on that. And if you're lucky enough to go on and study and, or, or, be uh perceptive enough to be like, I need further education, I need to educate myself on these things, that's when they'll teach you it. So in like formal education, in the general scale, you get maths, you get English, you get the basic rubric uh standard topics, but you don't get this. And you have to go out of your way, which is where you now reach into rich parent, because there is a rich dad, rich mom rich mom, <laughs> whoever, but rich person placement, and you can then move between the quadrants. Otherwise you're kind of stuck in the left side, and you're left behind. So yeah.
0: But having said all those uh, lovely and depressing thoughts, <laughs> in a way, we hope that uh, that you've enjoyed this episode. And uh, what we've really tried to do is uh, take the two key takeaways from uh, from this book, Rich that Poor debt from uh, Robert Kaizaki where we've uh, discussed the financial education being a key to success, mm-hmm. and uh, the second part is the cash flow quadrant and what it really means and how. It uh, it affects our ability to build wealth, depending on where you are in this uh, in this quadrant.
1: Yeah, I think, like you're saying, it's the piece of the book is really focused on making sure you're aware of how important financial education is in building wealth, uh, and where if you invest in financial knowledge, not in your just in yourself, but just in financial knowledge. You can better understand money management, investment strategies, and that's where you get to make more informed decisions about your financial future. And then being aware of the cash flow quadrant, uh, you can then illustrate the different ways where people can earn income. So I know you could just state it, but then you see, oh, actually, these are the opportunities in which you can... Uh, earn and that's where he's trying to encourage readers to move from being employees or self-employed to becoming business owners and investors as these roles offer greater opportunities for passive income and wealth building
0: of course as always make sure that you check out the full book there is also a sequel to it and believe it or not there is a board game believe it or not. So not go check all
1: of this out. <laughs> what is this board game? I did not know this. <laughs>
0: um, I see it as a little bit of a monopoly, but uh, with more of an education outcome. Uh, but I would say go check it out yourself. Uh, I think it could be interesting. Play with your families. Let us know. But as always, you can get in touch with us through our website, www.dneedlewovers.xyz or by following us on our social media accounts at d.needle.wovers. If you have liked this episode, Please make sure that you subscribe and leave us a five-star review as uh, Mark, our key asset here, has requested that uh, anything above a 4.9 is acceptable, anything
1: below a 4.9. I stand behind this. (laughs) I stand behind this entire.
0: (laughs) But on a serious note, it just helps us to make sure that we write material which is relevant to you and useful. As always, I've been your host or one of your hosts, Valerio Tommaso, and uh, joined by my, my co-host, Mark Jasons, And as always, until next time, adios.